Welcome to Surfing the Psychic Waves. I'm your host, Christina Walsh. I'm excited to say hello to the globe. In this show, we hope to bring you new ideas to your spiritual path by letting you hear how other folks have walked their path or how they awakened. We'll be talking to surfers, psychics, and metaphysicians about meditation, healing, spirit guides, and other ascension tools you can use to catch your next wave. So if you're surfing the winds on Venus or jumping the rings on Saturn or riding a solar flare right now, this is a place on a line radio where we sort it out. Planet Earth, the solar system, and every being in it is waking up in some way and ascending on their spiritual path. We've been experiencing extraterrestrial light shows, and it's hard to continue to hold on to isolation or separation within ourselves the more we notice these extra planet activities. You might want to check out spaceweather.com for the latest happenings with the sun, and you might want to check out the latest with David Wilcox at divinecosmos.com. There are some rumblings in that part of the universe you might want to check out. The surf is wild out here in California because we just had a pretty big storm, but notice how we get to interact more fully with these elements around us and that they can morph into anything. So if you notice a solid object seemingly to turn into liquid, you're right on track. We are surfing alchemy all the time now as we move into the winter solstice. So let's ride the waves of our new ascension, psychic, or spiritual spaces together, and we're going to share our stories. I have a returning guest surfer today from Whistler, British Columbia. His name is Mike Greffner. We can't seem to get him down from the mountain, but somehow he still gets some surfing in. And so Mike is going to be sharing with us his view on spiritual vibes around the globe and his own connection with spirit. So you can find Mike Greffner at Versus Zero on SoundCloud.com forward slash Versus Zero or his Facebook fan page also under Versus Zero, which is Facebook.com forward slash Against Nothing. However, we get ourselves in all sorts of twists and turns in this interview. <laughs> so let's listen in. So what would you say about the energy today? The energy today is interesting. <laughs> it's a massive shift. Shift is hitting the fan. And I think as, as we were talking about yesterday, a lot of people are shedding some big truths because they are clearing the way for bigger and better truths or other truths fresh fresh perspectives i'm going to say is is the energy of the day yeah we were just talking about this in another recording yesterday about truths and that the truth keeps getting bigger and bigger and so what is truth uh today versus yesterday and then like tomorrow like it could be totally different exactly i'm going to read just something out of this book it's called in Love with the Mystery by Anne Mortify, and I actually just flipped to this page uh, right as you were ringing me, so it's very relevant. And uh, it says, the journey towards self-realization is not always comfortable. The more knowledge we possess, the more we are held accountable. The nearer the light, the sharper and more pronounced the shadow. Self-realization involves a burning away of all those beliefs, behaviors, and reactions that are not in alignment with the highest good. The closer we draw to the fire of truth, the hotter the flame becomes. Use this added heat and clarity to quicken your own becoming. How relevant is that to all we've been speaking about over the last couple of days? Totally. Right? So years ago, I had, I guess what you would call my first, I don't know if you want to call it channeling or definite communication with some higher piece of me. And 
kind of give me guidelines, not rules or something I had to follow, but it was like, this mm-hmm. is probably your best route. And uh, I've kind of been neglecting to adhere to that. And- so was this like a booming voice in your head or was this, you know, a shimmering light or what was it? Like, how did it come to you? I was meditating. I A song came in my head. And it was mm-hmm. called Let It Go. It's a it's a, a popular song by Dirty South at the time. And um, the lyrics go, no matter what they say, let it go. And I've been thinking about a bunch of things that have been bugging me. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. And that came up. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it all go right now. And as I started to let everything go, it was like I was sweeping the debris aside. And I could kind of see, I guess, metaphorically, what would be a higher truth. And in that, I started hearing all the audio books and, and self-help books and stuff I'd, I'd, I'd listened to, just clips of the various teachers that I'd listened to on audio recordings. And then and then I kind of realized they're all saying basically the same thing. I mean, semantics aside, they're saying generally the same thing. They're all pointing towards the same thing. Um, like the teacher, Unasleep, speaks about, she goes, I'm just forever the finger pointing at the moon. And I guess the metaphor for that is the truth is the moon. And I can point to the moon. The moon's going to change location and size and brightness. But you always kind of got a general idea of what the moon is based on a few characteristics. So um, as I'm starting to hear all these voices and I'm starting to, okay, so I'm tying it all together. And then all of a sudden I hear this, I don't know if it was an Australian accent or an English accent, saying some, <laughs> nice. some really wise stuff. And then I'm like wait a second, I I never listened to a teacher or a self-help book with that voice before. So I'm like, after about a half an hour of listening to this voice, I'm like, you know what? I gotta write this down. And so, and and all the while the song's playing in my head, I can hear the guitar strums from the song, Let It Go, playing in my head. And I start writing it all down. Uh, on the back of some uh, flyers from an old party I DJ'd at, they're like expired flyers, and I'm writing all of it down with markers. So I went through like about a hundred flyers, just all these kind of, you know, was um, point four, <laughs> and I'm listening. I'm listening to it, and I'm writing it down, and it's giving me these directions. It's telling me certain things I should read, certain things I should do, diet, uh, exercise habits, you know, daily meditation, all, all these important things I should be doing. And I recorded all the information. And then maybe about four or five months later, I thought it was crazy. And I just packed them up and threw them up. <gasps> ah. I know. But it's okay, because it's, uh, it's been making its way back, I guess you could say. And, and, and... But it's not like you forget. No, you know, it's almost like a photographic memory of some of the things I had written, even just like what words were capitalized and the red marker on the white paper. I can still, it still comes through and it's always available. You know, it's, and uh, I guess what it, what it comes down to now is as we've been talking about shedding, you know, old habits or whatever. There's so many ways to come around to this and it can be very um, confusing to some people that are just kind of getting into this. But anybody that's been doing this for a while may kind of realize that um, everything is just an excuse to focus. Everything is just an excuse to lure you in, to pay attention to who you really are 
which can be quickly discarded for something more important. And, and like I think you'd said once before, it can come from anywhere. We're not limited to uh, yeah. this one channel or this one altar or this one process or this one you know way of living or this one way of, if I eat a certain way that's how I used to think it's like oh I have to be vegan and I have to be doing yoga every day and I have to meditate it's like no you know what it is I just have to get out of my own way and the guidance comes I guess what I'm what I'm getting around to today is that the guidance doesn't need the symbols or the processes or the talisman I think it's because we're calling it guidance, and I think our words are just failing us, just right and left. Mm-hmm. And because is it really guidance, or is it like unfoldment, or is it just you just being you? Just having a moment. Just having a moment, and you're going from moment to moment. And there's this idea, and I think we get this from different religious dogma, I guess, that you know we're supposed to be sort of held by the hand through life. And I don't know if it's really supposed to be like that because we all, we're all the acorn that can turn into the oak tree. Right. We came fully equipped. Exactly. Exactly. But a lot of people, like, and, and see that, like, I like to mm, offer unsolicited advice at times. And I try to tell people this that definitely aren't ready to hear it. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to not do that anymore, but now I have a radio station. So, oh well. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, I had a chance to talk to Wayne Dyer once. I phoned into his radio program, and I probably sounded like a young teenage girl talking to Justin Bieber at the time. I'm like, oh my God, Wayne! I, I was just into it for a while. He was the one teacher I was really resonating with. And he said to me, he said, he goes, if you want to learn all you need to know, just check out a spider. He says, the spider will spin a web that contains more mass than its own body in one session where does it come from and the spider doesn't go out looking for anything it just spins its web and waits for everything it needs to come to it and and I guess the same could be same said for us teachers when we're sitting there trying to tell somebody because it, it may be true we can see clearly what somebody's missing and try to shed the light for them and especially with me and everything that's going on with uh, you know protesters around the world and I say well uh, I want to tell them, I'm like, you're wearing a corporate-made coat and you're driving a corporate-made car and you're tweeting all this information on your corporate-made iPhone. I mean, it's it's a bit hypocritical, at least from my perspective. And I, like Blossom said on the last show, I don't know what their higher calling is. Maybe I should just butt out. The, the, the thing when it comes down to, and I wish I could do that, hopefully when I re-listen to this recording, I'll finally do it. The, the thing is, is we we know better. We know that we should only answer when we're asked. We shouldn't be offering unsolicited self-help. It's not even self-help. It's like externalizing what we know we should be fixing in ourselves. And it becomes this hypocritical loop because we're telling these people, before you fix the world, you've got to fix yourself. And then we, we feel like we need to tell them that. But we know better. And they don't. So they're doing the best they can. And we're not doing the best as we know. So do, do you see what I'm kind of getting at there? Yeah, there's this underlying fear that if I don't tell, and I've been there, I've I've done this, where if I don't tell someone what I think I know, but of course the truth is always changing now, so right. I thought I totally knew everything five seconds ago, and I sh- and I want to share it with someone 
so they don't have to waste their time. Maybe I can save them a couple of steps or maybe uh, I can get them out of their struggle because that's very painful to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I could look somewhere else, but it's like you get into that human piece of where you don't want someone to suffer. You don't want them to waste their time. You want to get them back into this sort of happy, joyful thing. And when you hang around with other humans <laughs> enough, it's like we all want each other to be happy all the time. I don't even know where that comes from anymore. It, it's just a distraction by the so-called ego. And I mean, I hate to use that word because the ego gets such a bad rep. Well, it's it's funny because it is going back and forth between ego and kind of what the spiritual practice is. And it's like I would like human beings to not suffer. And so... <laughs> In my interaction with someone, I might want to uh, suggest different things that could help them out of their suffering. But you gotta wait until they ask, and even then, yeah, you gotta calibrate whether they're capable of hearing your amazing advice, which is it's true, it's what it is to the right person. And then, so you go through nine people who either weren't might have asked, but weren't ready to hear it, or you're ramming it down their throats. And then you come across a 10th person. By the time they came, they ask. They're ready to receive the information. You're tired. You don't even want to go through it. You're like, oh, can't even be bothered anymore. So we drink, we waste our energy. And, and, the, and, and like, all I'm sitting here just calling myself the biggest hypocrite you've ever met. What it comes down to is we're telling these people um, the best thing you can do is to lead by the clarity of your example. Well, I guess this information is really for us. Is really for ourselves, and it's it's we're reaching a time now where we have to be confident to quote unquote leave them all behind. And by that, it's like if they're choosing to stay where they are. The worst thing that happened to me in in the last little while is that a few people, after some bludgeoning, finally gave into what I was saying. Like you know what, you make some good points. Like I said, I might have influenced a couple of people. But I could have influenced probably hundreds had I been flowing my energy to where it was ready to be heard. So that false uh, sense of mm, accomplishment. And all the while, um, I took away the energy that I could have spent on yoga, meditation. You know, uh, I had to reschedule this interview yesterday because my my voice went hoarse on me. And I'm sure that had something to do with it. It's just a matter of... we know better. For those of us who are so-called spiritual or whatever you want to call it, we need to have faith in our example, in our selfish Right. Example. The example is enough. Like, that's the teaching. Just, I think that idea of enough has really plagued sort of the light maker, light worker community. Mm-hmm. Like, are we doing enough? Are we sort of praying enough? Are we, um, is my... Aura pristine enough? <laughs> Have I cleared out my old energy that I I don't need right now? Or I don't know. It's we get into some of the religious dogma again that we don't really need. Right. But and and like you're saying, the tools and the symbols and exactly. And and another thing is is that uh, coming back to that whole point of like that false self sense of accomplishment from when we do convince these few people. You think you convinced them, but that's only while you're standing over their shoulder, breathing down their neck, do it this way. And then you walk away and they're left to their own devices. And chances are, if you're not there to dominate their vibration, they're going to be, you know, 
sheepish to the next person's vibration in whatever direction. They'll come across some new information that tugs them the other way and they're easily sent that way. So like, I just can't stress enough because it's just been my lesson lately is having faith in your example, in, in bettering yourself, in, in be shining your light for the sake of shining light, not trying to shine light because you think it's too dark in some other person's corner. So you need to share your light with them. I mean, don't get me wrong. If someone comes asking you for help and you feel like you've got enough extra goods to share some light from somebody who asks, great. What's, what's the saying by Jim Rohn? I think it's, you need to stop trying to help people who need it and start helping people who deserve it. And if that sounds cold, it's just really efficient use of your help. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But anyways, that's that's enough about all of that because that's my hang up for the last little while. That's why I'm finding my major blockage is I, I've been... I've been so close to this point of moving to the next rung, but mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and that's been the, the biggest thing for me. And I know for, for a lot of other people that just can't stop helping others. So, well, I think there's a sort of global programming about helping others. I don't think we really understand what service is. And I think as a human race, we're trying to figure that out. And maybe just now we're getting to kind of a new, let's just say, rung on the ladder of what service really is to each other. Um, and maybe part of that service piece is to just let people be who they are and, like you say, wait for them to ask. Um, but I do, I do know that uh, the spiritual community sort of quest, we're all we're constantly going through dark nights of the soul. We're constantly uh, trying to teach or not teach or just let people be. We're very conscious of that, right? And then, you know, we're always in this mode of sort of looking at new pieces of energy. And, and sometimes it is about tools or uh, different ways we can use energy or, I don't know, different yoga techniques or meditation techniques and just different ways to sort of play with energy. And I think we're getting closer and closer to just having fun with all of it instead of making it like this, I don't know, this heavy sort of burdened path. It's, it's, it doesn't need to be like that. No, it, it doesn't. You know, it's have fun. Don't forget to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Stop taking yourself so damn seriously. Yeah. The whole humor thing is, is much more fun to to deal with and actually day to day it's getting funnier and funnier yeah absolutely it's it um I've, I've learned to laugh at just about everything I start to uh critically look at everything from every angle and you can see a joke anywhere you look yeah absolutely yeah so what's what's going on in in your world Tell, tell me an interesting story of something that's happened to you in the last week. I turned the gun on you now. <laughs> the gun. That's hilarious. Well, I have been playing around with that word occupy, and I don't want to get you totally into that yeah, occupy no. movement thing. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think we know what the occupy movement is about yet. I think. It's uh, a little seedling right now. 
and it's growing into something that we didn't expect. And what I can see everywhere is that everyone is protesting something all it's happening all the time, all day long. Even me protesting the protesters. Right. I, I just think that as human beings, collectively, we're getting this vibration of wanting to change all of it and change all of it at once. And one of the things that I think uh, you, Blossom, and I had, had talked about before is that you just got to change one thing. Self. Right. The only thing you really have influence over. And if you can't meet your own expectations, if you're not eating the way you want to eat and, and dieting, you know, like exercising as often as you wish you would, you're never going to be able to influence some corporate person to change their practices until you've met your own standards. You just won't influence them. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, maybe... Maybe yeah. well, but it's my opinion that, you know... Well, it's like the teaching thing, where you've reached this new spiritual awareness, you want to share it with somebody else, that other somebody is not asking, but you're going to tell them anyway. Right. So it's almost like protesting again. Yeah. <laughs> so here are these protesters, and, and, you know, I'm in Northern California, so we get it a lot. A lot of stuff going on here, so... I've got, I've got one thing that has come up, and I try to put it out in a loving way, but it usually comes out a bit sarcastic. I say the, the number one thing, like, because there's a, if you were to ask 20 protesters what they're protesting, you're going to get at least 10 different answers. Yeah. So I say, what, the, the closest thing I can find to a consensus is that they're protesting corporate greed. I said, is it corporate greed or is it consumer stupidity? I don't know what, what other word to use other than stupidity, sheepishness. There's no word that's not going to insult them, but I'm like, spend your money where your truth is. Put your, put your money where your mouth is, is what people always say or whatever. So spend your money where your truth is. Start, start there. You can't really call it con- corporate greed. They're just there picking up. Like if they don't do it, the other guys are gonna, or some other guy, or some other guy. You can keep on tackling corporate greed, but as long as you've got consumer stupidity, you've, you, you're, you're talking about cause and effect. The, the cause is the, is the consumers being so easily taught to keep buying the products. Whereas the effect is these corporate Well, I think I've noticed that there's something going on with the law of attraction and all of this. Right. Because if you want to look at the pharmaceutical industry, a human being doesn't want sickness. Right. Okay, so there seems to be a use for the pharmaceutical industry. I want my headache to go away. You're going to make a pill for me. I'm going to take it. It's going to, my headache will go away. It seems very simple at first. And then over time, what am I asking for? Am I asking for more headaches? Am I asking for more aspirin? (laughs) Or am I asking this imaginary industry to fix something that has to do with me? Like, why am I getting the headaches? So it's like, where, what is going on with the law of attraction in that moment? And I think if we are talking about corporate greed, there is something that's also happening with folks just going to the store and shopping. There is a point 
in that shopping experience, and I know you just came back from like the store, where you went unconscious. And like, what was that? Did you buy something you didn't want? Did you just forget you were going to order? Did you order, you know, check out or whatever? Did you, you know, were you entirely conscious in that entire event? And, and I think a lot of us, we naturally go unconscious. As we do these sort of mundane things, and I think part of the Occupy movement is is that human beings want more substance, and so we can blame greed, or we can blame our own unawareness, or we can, I don't know, blame what is Wall Street? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like which part is Wall Street? I want to know the office, and I want to know the addresses, and I want to know the people. It's like there's so there's a lot of compilation of material going on there. Mm-hmm. And instead we just call it Wall Street. Well, now it's an un- an unconscious space to me now. I know it's a street in New York. Right. But, you know, I want the names, the dates, the transactions. <laughs> I need I need the real due diligence behind all that. Yeah. And instead we just get auditing this situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I came up with something else. I'm not sure if I shared this little quote with you, but it was clarity. I had a bout of clarity. And what people are calling for on, on certain scales is, is a revolution. Mm-hmm. So I said, I take the R, R out of revolution and move forward that way. I've been taking my own score, and it seems that the simple removal of this gnarly R is the mm-hmm. key to progress. Revolve is the root of revolution. And that is exactly what a revolution does. It makes sure you end up with the same problem. It's like sweeping the dirt under the carpet. So when you take the R out of revolution, what do you mm-hmm. have? Just evolution. Exactly. Evolve and rise above rather than rise against. And you free yourself from the hamster wheel you so desperately want out of. And to give you an idea of that, is say... Uh, Albert Einstein said, the significant problems we have cannot be solved at the same level of thinking with which we created them. And that's, right. what, a, that's what a revolution always does. It always um, shifts power. Sometimes it's just an illusion, too. Sometimes it's just very well orchestrated by the powers that be to make it seem like some sort of a, a revolution took place. But the same people are still calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And I'm not even so sure that's a bad thing. Because when you, when you think to yourself, well, if... If we take them off the throne, whoever it is that pulls all the strings, you take them off the throne and maybe we have no order, maybe we have no morality, maybe we have just a bunch of people out there going for it in a very negative, um, beast-like kind of way. Maybe, maybe Maybe the better team is winning. And in any case, you overthrow them, and what do you have still? You have a population of people who were easily led astray. Yeah, they're still shopping at Target and going completely unconscious. Right? So it, you just, you're just going to relabel it, and it's going to be, you know, like that South Park episode where they say it's the, pardon my French, it's the douchebags versus the turd sandwiches. <laughs> you, you, you know? So it's just, it's just something to think of, and it always comes back to, it's like, well, that sounds great, and... Why don't you stop trying to have a revolution against the revolutionists and just evolve your damn self? And it always comes back to me. Always comes back to me. I'm starting to wonder if there's really anybody else out there. If I'm just in here learning a big life lesson or a big life dream where I just need to do one thing. And that's to stop blaming. 
Not just tell people to stop blaming, but to stop blaming the blamers. Just to let it all go. Let it all go. And I have a moment. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And then some time will pass and then I'll go on my Facebook wall and I'll see somebody, you know, posting something about Occupy and I'll make a snide comment and then I'll say, oh, I guess I got to start over again. But. Well, there's no solving this idea of this Occupy movement. And I, I think that's kind of the frustrating aspect because there's parts of the, all of this that's unconscious. And it all comes back to just individual human beings, you know, working together eventually, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you say, there's these pieces of government that we don't know about. And there's these pieces of kind of financial institutions that people speculate about, but we don't really know about. And, uh, you know, the mainstream folks don't, don't really know how Bank of America works or how the mortgage crisis really unfolded. I mean, we don't really know all the details. You can see results and argue about these results of people not having health care or not having jobs. And something needs to change in the way we're informed and, and the way we solve problems. And I think we don't know what that is yet. You know, maybe, but, and I mean, that's what I usually think. But then I just come down to maybe everything's like going really well. But but you know you could you could look around and and say you know this is happening and that's happening and be like man I just went for a walk and I saw nothing but happy people. Yeah. Granted I live in a resort, but I saw nothing but happy people having great times and I thought to myself these people are all worthy of this experience. That guy took risks and started some big company and now he gets to take his family to Whistler for a winter holiday. And it's just decorated gorgeously. The lights here are amazing. Just went through a stroll through Olympic Plaza. I thought, you know what? I deserve this. There's no reason that I, I shouldn't be here. And, and if I decided to leave here because I feel bad about it, it's not going to go into some pile where all the unfortunate people get to have at it because they would have to raise their efforts and their motivation and their inspiration to a place where they would attract a situation like this. With yeah. that, with that comes the ability to change. To say, I've had enough of life like this. I'm going to step up and say, you know. Yeah. The other thing I've noticed is that in the universe, we didn't pick planet Earth because it was awful. Good call. I'm quoting you on that. <laughs> We didn't pick planet Earth because it's awful. <laughs> I think there's something about the light worker community that talks about, you know, you picked this time to be here on the planet or you picked your parents or you picked your family, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I've had it with that whole thinking. And I know I've probably said this to others like, oh, well, you picked your family. Well, I'm really sorry I ever said that because I just think it's a little more uh, cosmic and energetic sort of thing going on there where you're not making some judgment about the family you're moving into or whatever as you take your body and sort of become part of the planet. I, I, I do think it has to do with being part of the planet actually. So my thinking's kind of changed and then some, and I don't even know when this happened, but it's only been a couple of weeks of this and I realized like we wouldn't pick a planet that sucked. Right. It's, it's a great platform to, to grow from. Um, a, a little while ago, it's funny, I, there's a quote by Alan H. Cohen, and he said, 
every minus sign is really a plus sign waiting for a stroke of vertical awareness. Mm -hmm. And I responded, it all ends up in the good pile. It was real simple. And he ended up quoting me on his on his website for his like daily inspiration. I mean, I was quite uh, flattered by that, but it's it because he recognized that it really stuck out for me. Otherwise, I probably would have just forgot about it. But you look at, um, let's say you're looking back at your life, you're, you're on your deathbed and you're about to die. And some people will say, oh, I wish I took more time to, you know, enjoy the smaller things in life. The people that took all the time to enjoy the smaller things in life would look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have just had some guilty, quick fix pleasures too. I wish I would have done this, that, and other. And really it's a balance. And, and a big part of that is character. And how do you build character? And that's going through crap. Do you know what I mean? It's like, well, that's what we think. But what if we expand that? What if it wasn't just going through crap? What if it was also having these amazing things happen to you? It's 50-50. That, that's exactly what I'm saying, though. It's 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 a combination of the two. But you've got to say, when it say it all ends up in the good pile, is that yeah. sometimes sometimes you're reaping the rewards of your great work or your great alignment. And sometimes you're doing the work. Sometimes mm -hmm. you're aligning. And they're both equally amazing and equally beautiful when viewed correctly, I think. Because of all the things that are changing around, I kind of feel like stirring up the pot of people's thinking of it, including my own. So what do you mean, um, what do you think about things shifting? Like, what do you mean by that? Do you think we're expanding our kind of collective thoughts again? Or do you think we're reaching another vibration of... Uh, creativity, for example, or creativity and awareness, I would say, are streamlining. We don't need as many middlemen or as much processes yeah. to get to that point of connected, or where our pipes are open and we're either letting in the creative, you know, ability to write music, or just to love people, just to be nicer to people, to be more understanding, to be more forgiving, mm -hmm. just all things good. Before we used to think, we used to have all these tools that taught us and they'd use all kinds of things like threatening us with hell or, or promising, us, promising us the reward of heaven. And I think people are starting to realize that the kinetic energy of this moment mm -hmm. is so right now. I don't need to wait it's not about potential energy but it's about kinetic energy so not like later but now right now like i can i can tap in now yeah definitely we use philosophy theology bibles all this stuff to as tools but they'll that we're shedding the tools i think a lot of people are shedding the tools a lot of people that never were into that are realizing they can skip all that and go straight to it as well, or that they've been doing it all along. Yeah, I've been really surprised by the language that I hear coming out of out of folks who really um, may not have been that spiritual in the past, but they're just naturally kind of moving into these discussions, very personal and spiritual at the same time. Right. I had a girl reach out to me a little while ago that I I wouldn't say I grew up with her. I, she she grew up in the same city as me. We probably saw each other twice in our lives and uh, she'd been having dreams about me and she wasn't too into this stuff before from what I know 
And uh, she was asking me, what's a good book I should read? And I'm like, oh, isn't that cool? Here's a perfect example of somebody asking rather than me trying to ram it down their throats. And she told me she'd been having dreams about me. And I was like, what was the dream? And I kind of, I've been, I've been spending a lot of time sleeping and or meditating, whatever you want to call it, like lucidly connecting with some thoughts and, and lucid experiences. And she said that I was helping her out of some water. And I'm like, oh, I remember a dream where I was, I flew over a body of water. I've been flying so much in my dreams lately. And I flew over this body of water was, and, and reaching, grabbing a hand and pulling, trying to pull somebody out. And it took a while and I finally got them out. So I asked her, I said, was I pulling you in from, from the shore? Like trying to just ask her in a way yeah. that wasn't answering it for her. She goes, no, you were floating above the water. I'm like, yeah, I definitely remember that dream. And that, <laughs> that, that actually made me kind of stop and pay attention. I'm like, yeah, I got to get back to my higher calling because I've been a little lazy lately. I wanted to, to talk about something else though, before we get too, um, mm-hmm. too close to the end of our segment here. Um, I wanted to talk about a teacher that's really helped me a lot. And I know you know that I'm a big fan of her. I mm-hmm. don't know if a lot of people know her, so I just wanted to give her a plug on the show if I could. And that is I'm Asleep. She is a great teacher and I, I took a little bit of break from her because I was almost using her as a crutch. But um, I think it's great if people know who she is and have a listen. I would have to say that I consider myself a bit of a professional self-help studier. And her information is impeccable. But um, anybody that wants to check her out, it's un, U-N, asleep, A-S-L-E-E-P. And that could be two words or one words. But if you Google that or search it on Facebook, sooner or later you're going to find it. And she's also very accessible. If you join her group, she answers every single question that anybody asks with very long, thoughtful uh, responses. So if anybody is looking for a fresh perspective or a very, what I consider valuable perspective, I would, I would definitely consider uh, checking out on the sleep. I have noticed that there are these new teachers sort of, I don't even know what to call them. Maybe they're, they shouldn't even be called teachers, but these new sort of spiritual uh, friends <laughs> that are kind of coming online now. I mean, I know Unasleep has been doing it for a long time. Something is definitely shifting because there are some of these uh, channels or uh, spiritual teachers, for lack of a better word, that just seems that are kind of changing how they're doing things. They're um, sort of not quite being as vocal and other people are kind of coming to the forefront, which I think happens about every five to seven years. Right, it's a bit of a cycle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, and I've got another good quote here. Um, I'm known for over-quoting people, and uh, apparently uh, a lot of people think I can't speak for myself, but I just like to credit really good articulation of really good points. And uh, this this is a mouthful, but I'm going to read this to you. And okay. it's just important to think of like when you're listening to Understleep or if you're listening to whoever, Wayne Dyer, Abraham Hicks, um, and that's this. What is crucial to recognize is that all perceptions reflect perspectives and all perspectives are partial and selective. Each perspective both reveals and conceals, clarifies and distorts. 
However, perspectives and perceptions do not clearly reveal their own limitations. Therefore, it is easy to fall into the trap of overestimating one's new perspective and developmental stages. In general, <laughs> this takes the form of what might be called perspectival overreach or perspectival reductionism. Here we seek to overapply the novel perspectives or ideas, overinterpret phenomena with it, and reduce all phenomena to its pure view. At its worst, this becomes the assumption that one has found the truth instead of a truth. And that's mm-hmm. that's uh, from the uh, Integral Psychology Journal by Ken Wilber. I'm not sure if you're familiar oh, with yeah. Ken Wilber. Yeah, he's, he's great. Um, and basically, the reason I wanted to touch on that is, getting back to this shedding the truths, we don't want to get pigeonholed in a certain perspective because then we, we reduce our chance to grow. We Sometimes it's a good idea to, you know, get focused on one thing and go for it. But when you realize it's getting stale and you're not getting the results you want, and you'll know if you're getting the results you want in life by how happy you are and how much money you're making and all the opportunities are you getting and whatever else. If you find it's getting stale and old, you got to switch gears and you got to really hack off a big limb of what you thought the truth was and just realize it was a truth that served you in that moment. But it's, it may be time to look at other options. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, for example, uh, a big one that people seem to get stuck on like a loop is a course in miracles. Oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> I, I think I just got you started. Would you like to, sh- to share what you... I, okay, well, first of all, this is Surfing the Psychic Wave. So, um, I have no problem reading A Course in Miracles on my own. But I went to a couple of groups. <laughs> I actually got thrown out of pretty much both of them. So... I just can't stand, it it comes back to that truth thing, is that there's many truths presented in a multidimensional way with A Course in Miracles, and it's, and it's not supposed to be like a new religion. It's just supposed to speak, in my view, it's supposed to speak to each person individually. They uh, enter into that field of the channeling event that happened, I I forget her name. Yeah, exactly. And it's an invitation to participate in someone's channeling and, and it's something that doesn't go away. And, um, as you're reading it, you kind of, you know, jump in and jump out of that, that channeled trance-like state. And so sometimes the words are going to get right in there and other times you're like, no, this is really isn't my vibe. And it has to do with the level of trance and channeling that we all kind of are comfortable with. And so, when I'm in those groups, I just totally can't, I just can't handle it because I don't know. I was raised Catholic. I really understand sort of this, uh, Catholic sort of framework of religion and I get, I get all that, but I just don't think that it's, it's, of course, of miracles is something that you can look at it in this sort of religious way. It's, to me, it's a spiritual, uh, invitation and, I don't know. It just drives me nuts. And then there's many people who think they understand it perfectly. <laughs> and I don't think there's a perfection in A Course in Miracles. The fact that it happened is 
always a beautiful event, but I, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've noticed this, that the people that think they know it perfectly are the least forgiving people I've met. They're, They're so crabby and mean. That's why I got thrown out of the group. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't yeah. handle it. it, it it's, like, it's like, oh, it's, you know what? This ideology sounds great. If I could see one of them with the ability to uh, extend it rather than just regurgitate it, I would, I would I'd be like, there, I found one. I haven't found one yet. Um, but in defense of the course, um, I heard somebody ask Abraham Hicks about it one time, and they went on to say, you know what? A good teacher knows where their students are at. Mm-hmm. And so they used the symbols that pull the people that are stuck in Christian dogma to a place mm-hmm. where they have a chance to be free of it. But the thing is, is they, go, they leave one hamster wheel and get right back into another. But here's a couple things that I, I, I got from my last uh, skim of the course. And one is they, they say, this course is aimed at experience through application rather than a prior commitment to a spiritual goal. And I think that's one thing that all, almost all of the students seem to overlook is that they, they think it has to be the way Gary Renard says. And as long as I'm in the world of form, I've, I've still got work to do. I'm like, it's, it's a tool to say to people that as long as this world is, is just a crappy illusion and it's nothing compared to heaven, I say, well, now you're telling me that I shouldn't be, I, I shouldn't be enjoying myself right now. And then they say, well, that's not what we're saying. I'm like, you say that's not what you're saying, but it is what you're saying. So what what you want to do is make now heaven. You want to make mm-hmm. now everything. Heaven isn't going to be any better than this. All heaven is is not physical. It's a chance to regroup and, and come back or not, whatever it is. But don't act like this world isn't a great platform to enjoy all of all that it brings, which is is an amazing place. So that's one thing I just like to point out. You, you should, if you're going to study a course in miracles, application means just do do the do the work. You know, do the the workbook, uh, study the chapter, whatever it is. Pray on it for five minutes and let the whole spirit <laughs> tell you what it is. Don't let Gary Renard tell you or whoever it is. This is how it is. I could be wrong. But don't, if I am, according to Course in Miracles, all I'm doing is procrastinating correct viewing. So that's fine. I can question it to the death. Another thing, it says, the course makes no claim to finality, nor are the workbook lessons intended to bring the students to completion. At the end, the reader is left in the hands of his or her own internal teacher who will direct all subsequent learning as he, capital, sees fit. While the course is comprehensive in scope, truth cannot be limited to any finite form. As is clearly recognized in the statement at the end of the workbook, the course is a beginning, not an end. No more specific lessons are assigned, for there is no need for them. It's just a metaphor that you do it once over the course of a year as the course tells you to do it, and at the end of it, because you've cleared away so much of the crap that the course is supposed to relieve you of, you have a clearer vision of where you're going. And from mm-hmm. that point, you, you take on this new this new perspective and, the, and, and then you go spread your light that way rather than going through the course again because you're still in the world of form and you're still doing it wrong. And I'm just like, mm. Yeah, I just couldn't get into the thinking that there was something wrong I was not getting that out of it. 
it's just a tool though. And like on the sleeve says, every tool leaves its mark. And the example she gives, she goes, if you were making a bow and you had a hammer, and let's say you're supposed to strike it with that hammer 10 times to make it bend so much, but then you just keep hammering on it. Now you've hammered it 30 times. Well, now you've weakened the metal. So now the bow isn't as good. You know what I mean? It says every yeah. tool leaves its mark. There's no tool that doesn't leave its mark. All of these perspectives, again, are going to reveal certain things and conceal certain things. And that is the the one book where I find that people get caught up in the dogma of it because it's meant to pull people out of Christianity and into a new level of... Uh, I, and that's the thing. I don't think that the intent of the channeling was to actually uh, keep someone who is interested in Christianity like away from their own belief system. It's like they didn't need to jump into the course when their beliefs about I don't know, the religious beliefs in Christ, within Christianity might have been working for them. Could have been, definitely. You know, uh, you, could, you could find, you know, the worst Course in Miracles student and put them up against the best Christian, I mean, that'd be my judgment to say who, who was which, but um, I might watch this Christian treating people very well, you know, praying, having impeccable intention, and then I might see um, this person studying a course who's self-righteous and thinks they know the truth and everyone else is just dumb. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen more often than not, is that I've seen... <laughs> That's you know, why I got thrown out. Right? And yeah, it was challenging. I don't know. It just was ugly. Just I don't know. I, and and that's just kind of where it's at. Is just it's it's become what it's become. So many of the teachers of it are attached to a business model, and they want people to continue to study it. So they'll continue to rely on their coaching or their direction and to buy their books. And when it, when you're relying on a business model versus you know just application and an experience. I definitely think the Course in Miracles can lead you to the experience, but you've got to remain sovereign. You've got to hold on to that. The Course makes no claim to finality and that the truth cannot be limited to any finite form. And and that's the Course saying that. There, it, like you said, a Course on its own, it, it seems to make a lot more sense. But as soon as you get these groups, and I mean, some people just can't understand it. They just can't unravel the... Shakespeare-like poetry that it's written in and so they need this direction but like I said every tool leaves its mark so you, you get just enough direction mm -hmm. to get your sovereignty back and use it as a tool to uh, take the good information from if you need to and it, again it was written in 1971 mm -hmm. it, it doesn't consider Facebook it doesn't consider texting it doesn't consider Skype and these are all things that like would have to be written into a newer testament you know, the, the, the New Testament is pretty old. And A Course in Miracles is still too old. Still 30 years old. 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, I think we've grown beyond uh, so many of these sort of tools. And they're fun to play with. But, um, and you know, I've been having a great time, for example, with the Solomon Seals. They're like, you know, 5,000 years old. <laughs> and, you know, they're just... They're just sort of these energy markers that we just sort of get into and we pick up and, and put down and move on to something else. I've got something to, to mention that is a quote from Seth. And Seth says, 
the meaning of religion will escape organizational bounds, become a part of individual existence where psychic frameworks rather than physical ones form the foundation for civilization. And I think mm -hmm. that's the shift that's happening. And there's mm -hmm. nothing, the way I was connected with you, and I won't get, get into that, but it was a bit of a trick, <laughs> um, where I met up with you and Blossom on another plane before we started even talking. The meaning of religion will escape organizational bounds. So obviously all religions, and even if it just seems like some new age teaching, uh, they, some people have their hands on it, that censor it, that have certain words removed, and that could be for a mixed uh, bag of reasons, whether it's to give people information and doses they can handle, because people are, you know, not quite up to speed. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's to keep the power in certain places, but it's getting to the point now where psychic frameworks are overthrowing the physical ones. So these Bibles or these teachers, these gatekeepers of information, um, there's not much time left and it's almost like they're milking it. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I'm at a point now where the psychic framework, I've had so much faith in it because of my firsthand experience that I'm just not too worried about it. Psychic frameworks are, are going to overthrow these physical um, tools that are no longer going to serve people because they'll just know. Or, or either that or any meddling they're going to do with it is going to be on a different level. It's not going to be in print anymore or on YouTube videos or audio programs. It's, everything's going to be taking place in these psychic frameworks. So it's, it's a great time to slow down pay attention, be aware, like you said, and when I go to the grocery store, am I fully aware as I stroll through? I try to stay in the perimeter of the grocery store, right? You know, just mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever they say. <laughs> the produce and all that. Right, but it, it, it's really, and, and you know, I can sit here and try to impress this on, upon people, but I think really I'm trying to impress it upon myself. It's really important to slow down, do less, do do fewer things better, with more intent and and tap into that psychic framework that could include I don't know what however you want to externalize it is if it's an alien if it's a it's a pillar of light if it's a whatever it is it's time to slow down and have a little bit more faith in the psychic framework because that's where all the real work that's where the heavy lifting is going to be happening for this shift that we're talking about and it's not going to happen by overthrowing the people you think are in the way. It's going to happen by overthrowing your own dragon and slaying it and taking ownership of both your higher self and your ego as one working unit where it's serving a unified intent, moving forward towards this, always being tapped in. Thank you for listening to Surfing the Psychic Waves with me, Christina Walsh. You can find me at christywalsh.com, K-R-I-S-T-I-W-A-L-S-H.com, or always on alignradio.com as well. And I'm all over Facebook. So thank you, Mike Greffner, otherwise known as Versus Zero. You can find him DJing up on that mountain called Whistler up in Canada, or on Facebook, look for Versus Zero, or at soundcloud.com. You can hear his music and his mashups at Versus Zero. So stay tuned for more on Align Radio.